When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for critical thinking. Yes, indeed, it is time for critical thinking. First off, though, Pat, before we get into a truth or fiction Tuesday, we got a little bit of housekeeping to uh to get to. Um, today is a very special day on the calendar, Pat. You didn't know this? No. It is St. Nick's Day. That's right. It is St. Nick Day. Uh, is this like a Catholic thing? It's not just a Catholic thing, by the way. This is this is celebrated throughout Europe. This is celebrated throughout Catholic America, um, especially here in the Midwest, um, where the Catholic faith is probably the strongest. Um, in terms of numbers. Um, but yes, this is a big day on the calendar. This is the day that we celebrate the death of St. Nicholas um, of Demra. Um, so if you don't look, if you don't know who he is, go look him up. But um, he was an individual who believed in helping the poor, the downtrodden. And he was infamous uh, and famous for defying the church when the church was wrong. He was infamous for um, apparently at the Council of Nicaea, one of the most important councils in church history, um, for slapping a bishop, uh, for the bishop deciding that this might have been a faith of the rich instead of the poor, and then um, more famous for being a individual who, around this time of year, would give gifts to children at random times. He was a gift giver. He's also the patron saint of sailors and all sorts of different other individuals. But um, he died on December 6th, I think 394 in Demra, Turkey. In fact, um, earlier this year, in fact, this is something we had talked about, I believe, on the uh, on the program earlier this year. Um, 
In fact, it might have been one of my best of the weeks, Pat, because they they found the um, what they believe to be the original tomb of Saint Nicholas um, in the uh, church named after him in Demra, Turkey. Um, but this is a day in which what we do is we celebrate um, his life on the day of his death, December sixth, um, every year. Um, Saint Nicholas or Sinterklaas, um, and he he's the inspiration behind the mythology of Santa Claus. He's the inspiration for that character. Um, but it's because, and this is an interesting piece of history, in large parts of Western Europe, um, the use of saints after the Protestant Reformation was banned. Um, you, you, and, and this is one of the things that I never understood about the Lutheran faith. Um, and I have yet to hear a good answer to this, because if you'll notice, you'll see like St. Mark's Lutheran Church or St. This or St. That. One of the 95 theses that Luther nailed to the wall, right, when they started the Protestant Reformation was no belief in sainthood. I didn't believe in saints. Yet, St. Mark, St. You know, St. Michael, St. This, St. That. But during the ban of this, the uh, Protestants in the Netherlands and in Germany and in other areas took the the mythology around St. Nicholas, the real St. Nicholas, and turned it into Sinterklaas, which be, ended up becoming later on Santa Claus and some of the other things that got swept into all of this. Um, but he is a real individual who lived a really monastic life and took no crap from nobody and gave back to everybody equally. And um, it's one of the best stories of Christianity, because you could argue he is more Eastern Orthodox than he would have been like Roman Catholic. Um, but back in 394, there was really no such thing as a difference between the two yet. Um, but he was at the Council of Nicaea. He was involved in the very early church. Um, and I think it's going to be apropos that that we talk about the church later on. Um, but yes, today is St. Nick's Day. And what do you do on St. Nick Day, Pat? Uh, make cookies and drink milk. Mm -mm. No. Last night, St. Nick would have visited your home. And you would have left a stocking or a shoe out, depending on what faith you are. Um, you leave a stocking out uh, by the fireplace or or wherever in your home. Or a shoe out. And gifts are given. Um, smaller gifts, usually. And uh, St. Nick visits your home, and uh, little things are given to you during this time as a way of remembering what he did for the poor and the downtrodden. And so at my house, uh, St. Nick has come. And since it is your birthday month, Pat, and St. Nick's Day, I'm going to give you your gift up front. Oh, boy. Okay. And your gift is you get to sit and watch the entire first season of Willow on Disney Plus. On me. For what? Yes, Pat, you got you got an issue with watching Willow? A little bit, yeah, yeah. From what I've heard. Uh... There's Why? some, uh, 
Well, there's supposedly some lesbianism in it, and I I just don't want to want to watch that. Question for you though, on that yeah. route, isn't Willow supposed to be like a preteen or little kids show? Um, I don't know. I mean, have you seen the movie? Like no. the original movie? No. Really? No. Okay. I mean, I I so am I, 41 years old. Willow would have come out when? Uh, it was in the 1980s. Yeah, I was not into that in the 80s. I was into Star Wars for uh, sure. Well, no, I mean, now. So, give me Princess Bride. You, you, pro- well, I mean, there are Princess Bride esque things about it. Um, it, I mean, the movie. So, I grew up with the movie, and it, it, you know, I remember watching. I remember really enjoying that movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Was it necessarily a kids movie? I not maybe like a small child's movie, but like you know, pre maybe like preteen, mm-hmm. I'd say. So I I would assume that the TV series is supposed to be the same thing. <coughs> if that's the case, and they've got all this homosexual type stuff in it it's not really a kids show anymore now granted i've not seen it this is just what i've heard about it no now you will see it uh, you yeah. have to watch the entire first season at your leisure courtesy of me free of charge wanna. pat i don't i don't want to i don't i, I don't want to are you saying that that's a bad gift how dare you <clears throat> How? I feel like this is payback. I feel Dare like this you. is payback for what I did to you last month. Should have thought of that, huh? Yeah, probably a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, folks, it is a truth or fiction Tuesday here on the show. Do not forget you can follow on social media. He is at the Pat Only Show. I am at the Coppin Show. You can find us on Instagram at Critical Thinking Show. And of course, do not forget download, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're finding this show. And, of course, we would prefer if you would, uh, you know, view our lovely mugs every single Monday through Friday on the Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And by the way, um, again, we cannot thank you enough for the explosive growth that we have seen in this program. In fact, um, over the last uh, 28 days, which is the measure that everybody uses, so the last month, if you will. Uh, We are up 58% in our downloads on the podcast side of things, 58% growth um, month over month. That is absolutely fantastic information in news, considering we're off for basically an entire week during that 28-day period, 58% up um, month over month. So I'm, I'm ecstatic by that, but let's keep growing at that 58% rate, which means you have a mission to accomplish this Christmas Advent season, and that is to tell one person and one person every single weekend that you are gathered with other individuals about this show. That's it. That's all we ask you to do. Hell, I I mean, I would suggest stealing their phone, making sure that you put it into their podcasting app on their phone when they're not looking, and, and then tell them you got them this as a gift. That's what I would do. But that's neither here nor there. Pat, it is a truth or fiction Tuesday. Um, 
why don't we do this? I'm going to go first this time on Truth or Fiction Tuesday. Okay. And Truth or Fiction, the church has been taken over by the authority of man, not the authority of the Bible. Truth or Uh, Fiction. As much as it's going to pain me to say this, I think we're seeing this across the board in all churches anymore, where you are starting to see churches cave to the the way of man, the laws of man, the the beliefs of man, the the culture of man, or or, the, or as you would say, the culture of me, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I think we are starting to see, and because uh, I'm seeing this in my own my own church. I think that we are starting to see this across the board. Um, I mean, we, we talked about the um, disrespect for marriage act that, that passed uh, what a couple weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, and, and how the LDS church and um, in, in gave their endorsement, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is would never have happened 10 years ago. I don't even know if it would have happened five years ago, but you're starting to see, oh, let's 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 just give in to the laws of man, and and you know the laws of God. It, well, it depends if you believe it or not, and and just let all that go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is happening. I mean, how do how do we get to where we are today? It's it's it, we we are not a God centered society, flat out, and I would even argue. We are living, and I know you're going to get to this probably in a minute, but I would argue that we are, like like you know how history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. I, I would even say biblically and biblical history, you know, can repeat itself as well, right? Yeah. If if I were to pick a spot, it's Romans one. We are living Romans 1. Okay. Well, you're right. We're going to get into that in a second here because I happen to agree with you. I, I, I firmly believe that biblical history can repeat itself when we get away from understanding and living through the Bible. Now, as a libertarian, I would also suggest that I'm not going to enforce that on anybody. If you don't want to do that, right. that, that is up to you. And how you choose to live. I'm not going to do that, but I am not going to not evangelize on my side of things. I happen to have a set of moral codes and ethics of which I would like to live out as much as possible. Right. That's not to say that I will ever be perfect in in living those out because that's just not realistic. Everybody is is fallible, not infallible. And you're right. It is the church of me, and I've talked about this a thousand times over. It is the church that's based off of what man and what secular society has decided to be moral, right, and righteous versus what God has set forth as moral, right, and righteous in living that throughout your life. Now, I would also argue that it's become the church of me and it's become the culture of me versus the culture of of living through that 
And that's why we're seeing the decay of Western society and largely because of this, the institutions of which we have our secular governments set up upon are actually based off of God and nature's law. Right. They're set up vis-a-vis the Ten Commandments. Where do we get murder for being wrong? Where do we get all of these things? The United States of America, whether you like it or not, the way that it has been set up, has been set up by people whom believe that the secular law should be taken from God's law and providentially placed within secular society. But also, that secular society shall not pick and choose which providence, which version of providence, gets to be exploited or used amongst the rest of society. We explicitly state that there's a not a separation of church and state, but that there is no establishment of state religion. And that's that was done on purpose. It was done on purpose not because they didn't believe that there could be an intertwinement or shouldn't be an intertwinement between church and state, but that they lived through the ability for the church to run as the state. And they didn't want that here. They believed, and as you look at as a libertarian, they believed that people of different types of faith should be able to practice that faith without government interference. And that exercise of that faith doesn't end when you leave the pew, when you leave the the four walls of the church. That the exercise of that is throughout life. And I firmly believe that we have flipped it on its head here in terms of the influence of church or man. I agree with you. I think we are living through a time in which the spirit of the age has taken over because we have left ourselves open to that vis-a-vis not just the secularization of our society and the increased look towards government as our authority, not just that, but the increased ability for those inside the church, the leadership, the you can look at the Catholic faith, the Jesuit version of Catholic faith, in which the authority of government becomes the, the authority. You can look at the Pope. You can look at leaders throughout different faiths. Your faith, I think, is a great example. They were one of the strongest people, or one of the strongest um, to come out for the Respect for Marriage Act, right? They right. Were, they, I think they were the only big faith to do that. I don't uh, remember the, the Baptists. I don't remember you know, the Presbyterian Church. I don't remember any of the churches coming out for that. At least wholeheartedly, I think there are different sects of it. And, and another great example of this is what is going on in Germany within the Catholic uh, faith. There is a movement within a sect of bishops within Germany that believe that they should be 
the ones to decide how the Catholic faith is distributed. They believe that there needs to be a secularization, basically, of the Catholic faith. They believe that we need women priests and bishops and, and all of these things. And, and if you're not Catholic and you don't know the history of the Catholic Church, you, you're likely sitting here thinking, well, what's the big deal? The big deal here is that the bishops believe that they can supersede the, the authority of the Pope. And the Pope is what? The, the person who represents the Holy Trinity here on earth. Right. Okay. Right. In our faith. And they have decided that they know better and that they're going to usurp. It, it, you got to take a look at this, Pat, if you haven't already done it. We are living through the Church of Me, literally bishops within the Catholic faith who have taken the oaths that they have taken, right, are saying, wait a second, the secular, we're seeing a decline in in the amount of people coming into our churches, and, and the response must be that we have to we have to allow the priests to marry. We have to allow the the women into the priesthood. And I vehemently disagree on both cases. And it's not because just because I, I happen to believe in a more traditional version of Catholicism. It's because it is a core tenet of the faith. That the priest is the, the living embodiment in that moment of Jesus Christ in his authority. And you can't do that in our faith through somebody who is not male. Now, there are other issues and reasons, and I don't want to go into it, um, because it, we would be here forever if we did. But I agree with you. You picked up on a, on a, on a thing about Romans 1, and it explains the spirit of the age that we talk about. And I thought about this um, overnight, Pat. I thought, how many people know what Romans 1 is? How many people have read the book of Romans chapter 1? How many people have read it? How many people understand what we're talking about as we look at just the church itself? And I wanted to read that. But before I read it, I want people to understand something. And this is going to come from excuse me, Alistair Begg, who is a senior pastor or the senior pastor at uh, Parkside Church in Cleveland. And he's held this, Pat, since I was two years old. Since 1983, this man has been the, the pastor at Parkside Church. And I can't think of a better description of what's going on than what he gives here. And then we'll discuss that plus Romans 1. All right? that acknowledges that we are not free to tamper with Scripture. Why would I want to come up here and address these things this morning? Only because of the Bible. We started, so we have to go. We're not free to tamper with the Bible. We're not at liberty to rewrite the Bible, to accommodate godless perspectives, whether it's a godless perspective on euthanasia or on abortion or on sexuality, whatever it might be, transgenderism. And in this arena right now, at this point in the, in the 21st century here in America, within the framework of church, whatever you want to call church, big church, let everybody go in for the moment and think about this. The danger is an increasing danger that those who should know better are losing their convictions 
Not about sexual matters, but about the authority of the Bible. That is the issue. In all of these things, it is all from the Garden of Eden. The evil one came and said, did God really say? Did he really say that? They believed the lie and the rest followed. The same bullet is in his gun. Coming to the pastor and saying, but wait a minute, pastor. Is that what it really means? Is that what he really said? And those who are in positions of a responsibility need to face that. If we lose conviction about the authority of the Bible, if we then become uncertain about it, then we lose our voice. If we then in turn become indifferent to the issue, then we're in real trouble. Notice what he is talking about there. He's talking about the pastor losing the ability to, to see it as authority of the Bible over man. And as soon as that happens, the rest follows. What, what do you? I, I can't come up with a more powerful argument for the need for us to return to the authority of the Bible within the church. And that goes for Protestant, Catholic, that goes for Seventh-day Adventists, that goes for Mormons, that goes for all sorts of Christianity. The Eastern Orthodox Church is probably the most biblically relevant church in the world right now. We wouldn't know it because we, we poo-poo the Eastern Orthodox Church here in the West. And that has a lot to do with a lot of politics and a lot of other things that happened way, 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 way long ago. Like during the time of St. Nicholas of Myrna, which is Demra in Turkey now, like that that kind of time, like the Council of Nicaea kind of time. Right. Okay. Um, but Alistair Begg, I don't know if you've ever listened to his um, show, the... the um, Truth for Life Christian uh, program, uh, but it's very, very intriguing stuff. And I, I can't come up with a better argument for we have to return to the authority of the Bible, or more importantly, putting it in as easy and as stark of terms as to where we are as that. Uh, no, you sent this to me yesterday, and I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's dead on. That is, that is some powerful stuff right there. And, and this is and I, I always love it when I when I see those from other faiths speaking about what I believe my faith should be speaking about, and 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 saying and doing whether that's behind the pulpit or through action in church policy, what have you. It, here lately, I'm not seeing that. So to to hear that from somebody else is, um. Pretty amazing stuff, and I, I, it's one of those. Um, I don't know. We learned in college a little, something about uh, holy envy, if you will, and this is kind of like one of those moments of, I'm like, wow, like I, I really wish we would do something like this. Yeah, I, I you know, as as Catholics, right, we are used to giving up authority to. A man, right? We are right. used to, but that that authority of the man is because this is biblical. So there's that mix there. And there's a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of intrigue and 
politics and this and that and the other thing that go on inside the church and this and that, blah, 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 blah. I would argue we would do much better to serve the authority of the Bible versus the authority of secular man and the questions of secular day. But I thought about this, Pat. What um what that pastor is is preaching about is we are living through Romans 1. He just doesn't tell you that. He just doesn't say go look at Romans 1. But how many of our viewers and how many of our listeners know what Romans 1 is? How many of them? Probably very few, other than at least in terms of the actual text of the Bible. So I thought to myself, why don't we do this, Pat? Let's go ahead and read it. It's not that long. Now, it starts with a greeting because, again, this is a letter of Paul to the Romans, okay? Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, and that is an important term, right? He believes that he was not just a disciple, but a slave to Jesus Christ, and he tells you why later. But Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart from the gospel of God, which he promised previously through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel about his son descended from David according to the flesh, but established as a son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness through resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received the grace of apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles, among whom are you also, who are you called, belong to Jesus Christ. To all the beloved of God in Rome, called to be the holy, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He also then continues by giving thanks. First, I give thanks to my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is heralded throughout the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in proclaiming the gospel of his Son, that I remember you constantly, always asking in my prayers that somehow, by God's will, I may at last find my way clear to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may share with you some spiritual gift, so that you may be strengthened, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, yours and mine. I do not want to be unaware, brothers, that I often planned to come to you. Though I was prevented until now, that I might harvest some fruit among you, too, as among the rest of the Gentiles." to Greeks and non-Greeks alike, to the wise and the ignorant, I am under obligation. That is why I am eager to preach the gospel also to you in Rome. God's power for salvation comes next. For I am not ashamed of, excuse me, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, for Jew first and then Greek. For in it, it is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous by faith will live. But Romans 1 begins the importance of all of this, the warning that Paul, the apostle, gives us. The wrath of God is indeed being revealed from heaven against every impiety and wickedness of those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what can be known about God is evident to them, because God made it evident to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what has been made. As a result, they have no excuse. For although they knew God, 
they did not accord him to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for although they knew God, they did not accord him glory as God or give him the thanks. Instead, they became vain in their reasoning and their senseless, uh, the senseless minds were darkened. While claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the likeliness of an image of mortal man or of birds or of four-legged animals or of snakes. Therefore, God handed them over to impurity through the lusts of their hearts for the mutual degradation of their bodies. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and revered and worshiped the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Therefore, God handed them over to degrading passions. Their females exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and the males likewise gave up natural relations with females and burned with lust for one another. Males did shameful things with males and thus received in their own persons the due penalty for their perversity. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God handed them over to their undiscerning mind to do what is improper. They are filled with every form of wickedness, evil, greed, and malice, full of envy, murder, rivalry, treachery, and spite. They are gossips and scandal mongers, and they hate God. They are insolent, haughty, boastful, ingenuous in their wickedness, and rebellious towards their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, although they know they are just although they know the just decree of God that all who practice such things deserve death. They know not, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This you know, is why it, we talk about Romans 1, right, Pat? This is the right. reference we are making. The, the, the church of me, the society of me, watching the fascism, watching the, the degradation of not culture necessarily, but the fact that we are seeing every aspect of life given over to this, from church to academia to entertainment to our secular government. Every aspect of this has been taken over with this wickedness, and that includes the Catholic faith, by the way. I want to make this abundantly clear. The abomination that is the abuse of children, the the perversion of, of people who are gay into acts with children is an abomination, but it is Romans 1 being lived out. It is an absolute abomination. I mean, this is, this is Paul really um, calling the Romans to repentance as well. And, and this is kind of where this is why I kind of say this is where we're at because if you were to sum this 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 chapter in Romans up, I mean, um, there's actually a great summary. I use the King James version of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And so the summary of it is, is the gospel of the power of God unto salvation through Jesus Christ. The wrath of God rests on the guilty of murder, homosexual practices, fornication, and other sins if the guilty do not repent. So coming back to why I say we are here, we are seeing those things play out in modern society. We are seeing churches kind of give up on this faith. And as we see these things play out, there is this need, this, this for repentance. And there should be this call for repentance. And we're not, 
I'm, at least I'm not seeing that come from mm-hmm. really any church right now. And I want to highlight uh, verses 24 and 25 and, and 26, okay? Therefore, God handed them over to impurity through the lusts of their hearts for the mutual degradation of their bodies. They exchanged the truth of God. This is the important one. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and revered and worshiped the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Therefore, God handed them over to their degraded passions. Their females exchanged natural relations for unnatural. Going on to talk about the males gave up natural relations with females and burned with lust for one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And what Paul is saying to you and what Paul is saying to all of us is that if you exchange the truth of God for that lie, for that church of me, for that secular world, if you abandon the truth of God, this is what this is what happens. He gives us the warning that if you don't repent, that if you don't understand the truth of God and live through that truth of God, this is what happens. The spirit of the age, the spirit of the devil, will do its work through you. That's what he's saying. Right there in plain black and white for you. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and revered and worshiped the creature rather than the creator. He is also talking about their um their polytheistic ways within the the Roman church at the time. Because the Romans believed in a polytheistic society by and large. Lest we forget that later on in life, Paul actually goes to Rome to literally give them this damnation, right? And convert and live out his life (coughs) and become a martyr. He literally says, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about in Romans 1. And lives that right in their face. As confrontational as as any human has ever been when it comes to this. And he became a martyr to prove all of that. To once again prove the gospel to be the gospel. He proves it. He proves that Jesus Christ was love and sacrifice for us by also sacrificing himself. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. It's as simple as that. This is what happens. We have exchanged that for a lie, and I'm going to talk about another lie in a little bit. Um, but, Pat, why don't you give us your first truth or fiction? Uh, well, do you want to go into the world of politics or the world of sports? Let's go the world of sports. Okay. With the college football playoff approaching, um, truth or fiction? There will be a rematch of Ohio State and Michigan in the national championship game. (sighs) I'm going to go with fiction on this one because I don't think either one of them win their games. And here's why. Okay. Um, I don't think 
Michigan has seen an offense like TCU. Um, TCU is vastly different. It's a defense that's predicated on speed, or an offense that's predicated on speed, 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 and fast play, like in play calling. Whereas Ohio State has the speed to it, right? And we saw some of that. But this is an offense that over the last three years has really been a power-based offense, right? It's a power run game first offense and then hit you with that explosive play with Jackson Smith and Jigba and all those things. But we also know this. As of yesterday, Jackson Smith and Jigba has said he is not playing in the college football playoff. He's not cleared to play. Like, he is not healthy to play. But even if he were, he said he would not play. Right, which is which bothered me, but it, it bothers me in a lot of different ways, and it bothers me in the most basic of ways. You're not a competitor. It's not about you protecting yourself and earning tons of money, by the way, because the right. NFL has figured that game out, right? Has figured out, oh, I can still invest in a really good player. Um, I'm going to do it. We we just literally have seen it this past year, where where a couple of players who were out injured for the first year or first half or you know first two-thirds of the season are now back and are kicking butt and taking names. But it, it's the fact that uh, Michigan has not seen this kind of consistent speed on offense where the 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 speed of play, the the speed of the wide receivers are all there. They've got four guys who, who can run you know sub four fives, right? Um you've got uh Max Dugan and and all that he can do um, as a quarterback. I understand that Michigan's defense is really good, but I don't know if they've seen this kind of Big 12 speed, if you will. And we've also seen TCU become a better defensive team as the season has gone on. And I think they're going to, without Blake Corum, they're going to be able to um, really kind of make this a one-dimensional J.J. McCarthy has to beat you with his arm type of a team. And I don't know that that's going to be good for Michigan. Long well, term. And, and 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 if you could stop Edwards, because Edwards has been running all over sure. the place, right? So. And, and, and if you look at TCU, right, and if you if you watch that Big Twelve championship game, it wasn't a track meet, right? Right. It it right. was a it was a defensive game by and large. That being said, the other side of the coin is Ohio State has to beat Georgia, and I don't think anybody can beat Georgia right now. I really don't. That Georgia offense is almost unbeatable. Um, the defense is different story, but we have seen Ohio State's offense have some problems. We've seen it sputter. We've seen it. We've seen it become an offense that needs the right things at the right time to go right, and they're not right. Well, so. not not to mention they've had injuries on offense. Oh, of course, absolutely. So right. your running back they, is they, out, right? Never been completely healthy. Your your top running back is out, right? Uh, Travion Henderson. Well, he he should be back. Yeah, he should be back for the playoff, yeah. right? Right. But, you know, Mayan Williams, our backup has been out. Yeah. Um, you know, Jackson has wide receiver has issues. been out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, our the, the the powers on our offense have been injured all season long. They've never been completely healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say this. C.J. Stroud gives you a great opportunity, but that Georgia defense has been pretty consistent all season long. Um, and, and I would argue that Georgia has been obviously the most consistent team week to week over the course of the year, all season long. And that's usually that team that's going to win out. I think you're going to see both Big Ten teams um, out of the playoff in the first round, which is going to suck. 
I would love right. to see either Michigan or Ohio State move on um, because the Big Ten needs a championship. They, they need a champion at some point here. We can't keep having the SEC uh, keep going. Right. So I'm going to cheer for both. I know it's going to suck for you, but I'm cheering for both. I, I just don't see it. I, I it, It's just like the NCAA tournament for me. I'm not betting on the Big Ten making it. I'm just not. It's just not uh, happening. I mean, I mean, I, I, I tend to subscribe where you are, but like, and that's just me looking at this objectively. But as a fan, as a fan, as a very biased, I would love I have to see it. It would drive, fan. it would drive SEC fan crazy to watch Michigan oh. Ohio State 2.0 well, for the national the title. Well, yeah. But the other thing too is like I, I, I saw people like, well, Bama should be in the net, the, the college football playoff. No. no. No, they lost two games, guys. Um, they that, lost, they two, lost games, two games, and, and one of them was to a team that got destroyed by right. Georgia in the championship game. Yeah, and they, they did not beat a top ten team on the road. Yeah, this isn't the like, NFL, and now this right. this argument will change next year, right? Or not next year, two years, two years. Yeah, two years from now, this argument is going to totally change. And by the way, did you know that uh, Wisconsin would have made? If they would have had that twelve team playoff the the entire time during the BCS era, they would have made eight playoff appearances in twenty some odd years. That's incredible. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it, it's I think the third most in the Big Ten, uh, behind yeah. Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, Penn State would would have had five, I think. Uh huh. So I, I it'll be interesting to see what goes down here. But I, I'm rooting for all Big Ten. Don't get me wrong on this. Because uh, I do have a family member who's a big Michigan fan, so I'm gonna, you know, do that. I just I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh guy. I never have been. Just like yeah. I'm not a big PJ Fleck fan, because both of them, um, they, how shall I say this? They, um, they make my BS detector go. <laughs> well, it, not not to mention, that I, I'm gonna go with truth though on this, mm-hmm. and and I'm saying this as a very biased fan. Okay, I, I have a dog in this fight. But I do think the winner of the Georgia Ohio State game wins the national title. Okay. Okay. Um, and but I'm hope what my hope is is I want I want I want this so bad, I want revenge, and I want revenge in such a way that if we if Ohio State and Michigan were to play each other in the national title and Ohio State wins, we own you at that point. Because as far as I know, they have never played each other in a national title game. Michigan can have the series at that point, but we've beat you in a national title game, and we are the undisputed champs. That's what I'm hoping for. All right. Now, with that having been said, it's time for us to play the B or not the B. Hopefully, we can win some more of Dominic Izzo's money, and maybe he'll actually pay us. And today's headline, if you are ready there, Mr. Patoni, in your birthday uh, month, is English teacher claims that grammar and writing rules are white supremacy. English what? teacher claims that grammar and writing rules are white supremacy. Didn't we hear the story like a year ago? Mm-mm. Nope. That's right. English teacher claims that grammar and writing rules are white supremacy. While you're thinking whether or not this is the B or not the B, Pat. Again, it is Christmas time. There are coffee lovers out there. Our fine friends at coffeebrandcoffee.com. That's right, coffeebrandcoffee.com, where they don't care about your politics. They care about producing great coffee for as many people as humanly possible. 
um, they've got you covered. Go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKING at checkout for 5% off of your purchase today. They've got a ton of really cool um, holiday-inspired flavors, whether that is in the hot cocoa area, the tea area, or the coffee area. Now, what separates them from other coffee brands out there? Well, here's the deal. A lot of other coffee brands are not single roasted. They are not. They're just sitting there in a bin and um, they get, they, they've already been roasted and they've been sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. The freshness of coffee brand coffee is what sets it apart. Again, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code critical thinking at checkout for 5% off coffeebrandcoffee.com promo code critical thinking. All right, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? One more time. English teacher claims that grammar and writing rules are white supremacy. I'm going to go with not to be. I, I I know we didn't necessarily cover this story specifically, but I feel like there was another story like a year or so ago that was very similar to this. So I'm going to stick with not to be. Well, I'm glad you got your uh, spidey senses up because you are correct. We have just won $100 of Dominic Izzo's totally legit money. And here is your proof. As an educator, I am constantly worried if I am part of the problem. What do I mean by that? Well, public education is an institution that upholds lots of problematic systems in our society, like white supremacy and misogyny and colonization, etc. In my role as an educator, I try to undermine that BS in my classroom as much as I possibly can. I teach high school English and whoo, the white supremacy runs deep. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at how we write essays. Start with an introduction that includes a thesis. Always cite your sources. Use transition words like however and therefore. These are all made up rules. They're arbitrary. They were created by Westerners in power. In linguistic justice, April Baker Bell calls this the language of respectability or the language of power. Which got me thinking, what if I started my school year with a unit honoring how we talk rather than teaching students how to write properly? So this is the start of my series on teaching linguistics in high school. Um, what? Here's the problem with these types of people. Any sort of standard means that it's got to be white supremacy. Any sort of rules, any sort of guidelines, any sort of anything. Look, I am all for the fact that language can change because it has. It has always evolved and changed and, and the, the rules of the road have changed. Blah, blah blah. I am wide open to, to that because that is exactly what has happened, right? Ask a teenager today to write cursive, for instance. They couldn't do it because it's not taught, right? And I have always argued that the inability to teach this, right, means that we are doomed when it comes to history because most of history is written this way. That's the reality. Most of history, if you... If you can't read cursive, you can't read the original Declaration of Independence. Well, why would I need to do that? Because who says that your computer is going to be able to allow you to read that Declaration of Independence five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? Who says that? Hi, have you met the banning of the New York Post story on the Hunter Biden laptop? Did you see that? We just talked about it yesterday. Where, Where are we going? I'm open the to way. these concepts of how do we teach language, but sentence structure is important. Nouns, verbs, adverbs, all of those things. Now, 
could I sit here and pick apart sentence structure in terms of technicality? Not always, but it is something that is so ingrained into how I speak, into how I write, into all of those things that it's second nature. I don't have to think about it. Well, not to mention that when you when you learn to write well, it impacts wait, wait, how wait. you speak. That is white supremacy, Pat. What? Why can't it what be write good? No, it's write well. No. How? You are an absolute white supremacist, Pat. You are enforcing See, you are enforcing colonization rules on linguistics. Uh, how exactly? Because there are no rules in linguistics, Pat. And if you suggest so, you are a white colonizer, white supremacist, bigot. Okay, um, go to hell and shut up. Um, this is this is where I, what I'm saying. Learning to write well influences how you speak and if you can write well generally speaking you can speak well and and speak in such a way that that you can convey and articulate different thoughts ideas concepts and in such a way that it, it can resonate with people i mean if you look at literature it whether it's present or even history if you look at it and, and really examine it i i what, what pops up to me is uh mark antony's speech in um shakespeare's julius caesar right and uh after caesar died and and the the speech that he gave it's moving it's persuasive it's it's it uses a lot of different, uh, like your logos and ethos and pathos of, of of speech. Learning these things in school is important. It's how we communicate as a society. I agree. Language has evolved. It's supposed to evolve. But understanding how these things work makes us better communicators it's it has nothing to do with it. yeah and it's not even just that pat if i can't understand the basic structure of a sentence right if right. i don't know what a noun is or an adverb or a verb or a predicate you know all of these things right if i don't understand them i can never understand how to interpret language of any kind right any kind i i couldn't put together a sentence in english french german polish um, I couldn't do it in right. Spanish. I couldn't do it in Hindu. I couldn't do it in any language. Now, the rules of the road change based off of the differences in language and how you structure nouns versus verbs and, and blah, 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 and how, how you interpret them and put them together. But it is important to understand them in order to understand all their languages. This is not about white supremacy. This is insane. And, and we know it. Now, equally insane, Pat. I, I have a truth or fiction for you. Okay. In five years, we will see a spike in autoimmune disorders unlike anything we have ever seen in this country and in this world. Truth or fiction? 
truth because aren't we already starting to see some of that now? Um, I mean, they, they may not necessarily be autoimmune disorders, but how much of a spike have we seen in myocarditis cases in the last mm. couple of years? Um, and and other issues that have happened to people over the last couple of years that were otherwise healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to happen. Like, like I, I suspect that you will see a rise in not just autoimmune, but I think there will be a lot of other things that will be on the rise. Mm. Well, um, I, I think there's evidence because of what we're doing with vaccination to COVID-19. Right. Now, we also right. have the CDC out here in the past, what, two weeks, three weeks, I think, talking about how they're going to recommend everybody um, over the age of five to get a vaccine every two months now. Nope. Because um, allegedly there's proof that the the efficacy lasts for about that long, except for it doesn't. It doesn't. And no. have we considered the alternative consequences here? And I want you, I want people to understand what we're talking about. From a perspective, I I firmly believe this is going to be truth. The question for me is whether or not people are willing to to go the mile that that uh, we didn't go with the original um, vaccine to was it um, bird flu, in which we are now seeing strong evidence of issues that were caused by getting this vaccine, and there are still people in the scientific community who. Um, want to suppress that and and they're not it was either the bird flu or swine flu i forget whichever one i was gonna say was it h1n1 it might have been h1n1 um yeah. but anyway i want people to understand this okay um so dr joseph Merkola um went to the irish census bureau and the central uh, statistic office uh for both 2020 and 2021 compared some information okay and looked at the the death rate, the mortality rate of COVID nineteen. Okay, what do you think the death rate was in the UK, Ireland, for those under seventy, Pat? Those under seventy, mm-hmm. uh, less than one percent. Point one four percent. The totality of our society. Okay, for those under fifty, what do you think it was? Like 0.02%? Oh, all right. So if we're doing the math, that's that's two one thousandth of a percent. Under 25, the mortality rate was 0.00018. Or one in a half a million risk of death. What? the hell <clears throat> now set against the risk profile of covid-19 vaccination one in 800 people will suffer a vaccine injury one in a half a million suffer death one in 800, not in 800,000 or 8 million or 800 million. One in 800 will suffer some sort of injury from this vaccine. 
You know what is a greater risk than death from COVID-19, Pat? Getting struck by freaking lightning. This is insane. But as we continue here, um, Dr. Charles Hoff went public in April of 2021 with the with his findings on the vaccinated. Alarmed at the amount of serious adverse events that he was witnessing in his own practice, he tested his patients at four to seven days after vaccination, Pat, four to seven, and found that in a sample of several hundred cases, okay, in his own little practice, 62% of them indicated the presence of microclots. Cardiovascular and neurological damage is the most manifest of all of the, the things, and we know that, myocarditis and all of that. But, Pat, this article continues. The synthetic spike proteins which circulate in the bloodstream after vaccination clearly have the potential to harm any one of the body's systems, including cardiovascular, neurological, immune, reproductive, digestive, endocrine, lymphatic, and muscular skeletal. Now, we know about the myocarditis thing, but if you talk to OBGYNs that have seen uh, that have been seeing patients over the course of pre and during and now post COVID, right? Mm. They will tell you to your face that they're really worried about uh, ovarian issues with those in, that have been vaccinated. They're seeing an absolute spike in all of that. Mm -hmm. Now, in July of 2021, Professor Michael Palmer, okay talks about this. As the mRNA vaccines introduce into the body's cell a gene sequence, which is a set of instructions, right? mRNA is basically a set of, it's an instruction manual for your genes, right? That's what we're doing here, okay? To manufacture synthetic spike proteins, it would stand to reason if that's the case. The body is being set up to attack itself, right? Right. That's what we're right. we're telling the body that uh, these types of, of proteins, if we see them right attack. I have been very open about my journey through autoimmune issues and um, issues with the, the digestive system and all of those things. Right, Pat, and my journey through right. trying gluten free and then going back to less gluten free lifestyle and. I've been very open about some of those things. I can feel the difference in my body between the two. I'm I'm willing to live with some things and I'm not willing to live with other parts of it. Um, what is the definition of an autoimmune issue, Pat? Uh, well, uh, if it's autoimmune, doesn't that usually mean your immune system can't it's ineffective against whatever it is. Your immune system is attacking itself. An autoimmune right, right. disorder says that uh, any normal immune system would see the bad thing and attack it and get rid of it. Right. An autoimmune disorder believes that everything that it sees is bad and starts attacking it and thus breaks your right. body down because it's it's constantly running. It would be like having a, a, a the air conditioning on all the time. Eventually your body is going to break down or eventually that air conditioning unit's going to break down. You have to give it a break, right? And an autoimmune disorder, it just continuously attacks, 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 attacks. So if we were to put 
an mRNA gene sequence telling your body to keep manufacturing synthetic spike proteins, right? To grab onto COVID-19, right? Guess what? There are so many other COVIDs out there, right? We know these things. Right. Coronaviruses exist all over the place. Attack, 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 attack. And then if we continue to do that, not only are we doing that one time, we are that now, according to CDC regulations, right? According to recommendations from the CDC, we're supposed to put this in our bodies every two months. What the hell do you think is going to happen in two years, four years, six years, 10 years down the road? Have we thought through any of this? No, we haven't. Just... Just eat it all up, right? Just inject, inject, take the jab over and over and over again. Damn the consequences. Never mind the fact that we are talking about, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. We are talking about a, a disease, a virus that has a death rate for those under 50 of 0.002%. Again, that is 50 times less deadly than the flu for those under the age of 50. The flu is 0.02% in its mortality. What the hell are we doing to ourselves? We need to take a step back and say, okay, all right, so we put these things in our bodies. What are the consequences? What are the things that went on here? Let's study that. Let's take a look. Let's Okay, we're going to release the recommendation and the mandate or whatever, right? We're going to release all of those things. Let's take a freaking step back and let's study the consequences of doing so. And then let's do a risk-benefit analysis, shall we? Can we possibly do that as a society? No, we can't because jab forever, fear, fear, fear. The CDC is dead-ass wrong. We are putting things into our body that we have no idea. We have never been able to do this as a society, and we have no idea what the ramifications are because we've never studied them for long enough. I guarantee you, Pat, that in five years and 10 years, we're going to see a story about the spike in autoimmune disorders and the mainstream media and everybody else is going to poo-poo all of it, and they're never going to link it to where it belongs. Getting jabbed forever. It's insane to me. I'm watching these people in, in where I live, in my building, and elsewhere here in Chicago, lining up to get that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth jab. Get them all. Nuremberg. Nuremberg. Uh, now, we also have Michael Palmer, professor, gave a video presentation of the pharmacokinetics and the toxicity of mRNA injections as part of the Doctors for COVID Ethics Symposium, featuring a study of how spike proteins gravitated particularly high concentrations to the liver, spleen, and ovaries. I don't know about you, but those are three of the most important parts of your body. If you have liver issues, if you have spleen issues, if you have ovarian issues, you've got major issues. Mm -hmm. About the only other area that, that would be potentially more damaging would be your pancreas. It's just amazing to me. And all of this evidence is trying to be suppressed by the spirit of the age, the, the Fauci's out there, whom, by the way, Pat, did you 
see the the deposition stuff out there? This is a little how bit duplicitous this individual is, Pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the science trademark, the truth registered trademark, Lord Savior President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, in that deposition was asked not once, Pat, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times before he answered a very simple question. Do you know anybody who works at Twitter or used to work at Twitter? It's a very simple answer because, wait for this, Pat, we all know this. His daughter worked at Twitter. Oh, because why not? And, and, and that's I don't care about that necessarily. What I care about is the fact that he couldn't even just readily admit, oh, yeah, you know what? My daughter worked there. Yeah, why this, not? This is how absolutely evil this individual is. I, I'm sorry. This is pure evil. This is evil at work. And maybe it's unintentional. But you don't if know you that your daughter works at Twitter? If you can't admit that your own daughter works at Twitter when it's common knowledge at that point, if you can't, who cares, right? Who cares? What is the point this person is attempting to make? You could fight that. Okay, yeah, my daughter works at Twitter. You know how many times I talk to her about it? This many times. Right. So my my point is the the fact that you can't even readily admit that just screams to me that you have lots to hide. All right. With that having been said, because we are running way late on our program, Pat, your final truth or fiction. I'm going to go with a short sports one this time um, as well, because I had a plethora of sports um, truth or fictions for today. Um, Truth or fiction, C.J. Stroud wins the Heisman. Uh, Fiction. Absolute fiction. Uh, You got Caleb uh, Williams over at USC. You've got uh, Hendon Hooker at at Tennessee that have a much Uh, better He's not even a finalist. Who are the finalists then? So it's um, you have C.J. Strouds, Caleb Williams, uh, the quarterback at Georgia, and the quarterback at TCU. So Max D- uh, Duggan and uh, Stetson Bennett. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Yeah. When's that going away? Uh, for me, I, I I don't know. See, I, I I don't know because the way Caleb Williams played in that Pac-12 championship game, I don't know that you can make that case anymore. But yeah, we played that sucker hurt as all hurt can be. True, true. And that'll be a factor. I mean, look that'll what he did to U.S. Uh, look what he did to Notre Dame, right? Yeah. While completely hurt. He, he had a, he had an absolute hamstring injury, went out there and still got it under. That is, that is stuff of legends, right? That is legendary play at that point. Gutting it out with a clear pulled or torn hamstring and guiding your team to victory. I, I, I don't know that there's a better better player in college football than Caleb Williams right now. CJ Stroud. The problem for me is he looked like an absolute deer in headlights against that Michigan defense. I can make it a case for Stetson Bennett too, by the way, I really could. Uh, the guy has uh, yet to lose a college football game as far as I'm aware. Well, and that's, that's, that's who I thought would get it. If CJ Stroud doesn't, uh, I think honestly. it's Caleb Williams or Stetson Bennett for me. Well, so cause, cause Caleb Williams, if you also think about this too, Caleb Williams has lost two games this year. Right, but it's not even about that. Look at Caleb Look at his numbers. Look at where USC right. would have been without him. I would argue that CJ Stroud is plug and play replaceable. I don't think Caleb Williams is to his team. There's a lot of. Either way, I don't think this is a cut and dry Heisman Trophy this year. Um, right. I'm. I'm also a little perturbed that it's all quarterbacks. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I I get annoyed when it's all one position too. Like it's there's a couple of really great wide receivers. Uh, the the tight end for Iowa this year should be on that list as far as I'm concerned. And there's some defensive players as well. Uh, that yeah. being said, Pat, um, yeah, I I don't think C.J. Stroud wins it. Um, I'd be shocked, but hey, I could be wrong. There, this is about as wide open as I, I I could make a case for in terms of the Heisman at least in the last decade. Right. I, I go with fiction as well. All, I hope I'm wrong mm-hmm. because, again, I'm, I'm biased. I have a dog in this fight again. Um, but I, I I go with fiction as well, but I, I don't give it to Caleb Williams. I give it to Stenson Bennett. Fair enough. All right. With that having been said, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And thank you for coming to our TED Talk and Theology Tuesday. <laughs> right. With that being said, please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. And of course, do not forget to eat all your meals today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.